The nonprofit MBA purpose is to provide new business insights and fresh creative ideas for executive directors and their teams that will help them improve their organization. Here is your host, Stephen Holastic. Welcome, everyone. My name is Stephen Holastic, and I'm co-founder and managing partner of Financing Solutions. Financing Solutions is the leading provider of lines of credit to nonprofits. If 2020 taught us anything, it is to be prepared, and our line of credit program is easy, inexpensive, and costs nothing until used, making it a great cash backup plan. If you would like to learn more about the program, please visit us at nonprofitmbapodcast.com. And if you decide to apply today, we will even give you up to $250 credit on file. Or feel free to give us a call at 862-207-4118. Today, I am excited to be speaking with Deborah Reddy from Reddy Associates. Today's podcast is Why a Positive Management Style Can Propel Your Nonprofit Forward. So, Deborah, welcome to today's podcast. How are you? I'm great, Stephen. I'm glad to be back. Yeah, I, uh, I was glad. I think you're the first person I ever asked to actually come back a second time. And wow. um, yeah, that's because of the first time certainly went so well. And what happened was during that podcast, we um, we touched on a subject that you and I, I think we both felt passionate about, which was you know positive leadership, positive management. And we really kind of, I think we both put our mind together and thinking that it could be a good podcast as well, correct? Yeah, I'm really excited about it. I, I actually just finished uh, putting together a module on the science of positivity for an online course that I'm facilitating. It's actually an online membership called Grow to Lead. So uh, it's fresh in my mind. And I was really excited at the end of our conversation to take up the subject with you again. Yeah, even before we get into that, um, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us a little bit about your background. Sure, sure. I'd be happy to. I have been working in the nonprofit space as well as uh, broader arenas for about 40 years uh, as a leader, as a coach, a board member, and a consultant. And I, I, leadership development is really my passion. And one of the things that I, I like to do is I like to to take complex ideas and turn them into practical tools that help leaders and their organizations achieve results with integrity. That's pretty much what I'm all about. And it's what really excites me. Yeah. Yeah. And right now um, you're kind of coaching a lot of people, correct? I am coaching a lot of people. I think I have about 15 coaching clients right now. And I've also been doing some uh, short-term coaching like single sessions around specific topics lately. Some of them relate to COVID and some of them are broader organizational issues. Uh, so that's, yeah, that's definitely a lot of what I'm doing. And and also a lot of online uh, facilitation and uh, leadership development programs. That's great. That's, that's a good job. I, you know, I had a coach for nine years and, um, you know, she not only helped me get better. Um, in fact, what's interesting is um, one of the key reasons I hired her at the time was was because I, I felt like I needed to be a better manager. Like I needed to be more positive, less demanding. Um, and I felt bad about it. 
And so that was one of her key responsibilities. And uh, so let, let's talk about what we mean by positive management, uh, pos- positive leadership. So, you know, what do you, when you think of positive management, top positive leadership, what do you, what do you, what, what does that mean to you? Well, you know, leaders have to accomplish results. That's kind of a given, no matter what business you're in. But results can be best accomplished when people feel motivated, engaged, and really connected to the work. And so when I think about positive leadership, it's really about getting the work done and creating a culture of positivity and engagement. Yeah, I I agree with you. And I think, you know, like, so, like, so I'll use myself as a case example. And, you know, at, when I first started my first companies uh, uh, in the first five years, what I was uh, very, very demanding, and also um, I, I, I didn't express myself in, in in a positive way. I expressed myself in a in a uh, condescending way. Uh-huh. And uh, so for me, you know, it was about expressing my feelings and expressing myself. And that, you know, that was, you know, a big mistake. But, you know, certainly, you know, as things changed, um, not only the coaching, but the books I read. And I know you and I talked in our last podcast about this book that I read. Um, well, I think it was you. Um, well, I read a book called um, Well Done, W-H-A-L-E done uh d-o-n-e and it's by spencer johnson who wrote um like the one minute manager um he wrote all these one minute books but you know basically what the book was about was how you how you how they train whales and um it's a little bit more controversial now but you can't really hit a whale over the head with something you know you have to find some way of enticing the whale through positive ways and um, that book made the huge difference in my style mm-hmm. in that I started to look for pe- things that people were doing right and commenting on those things instead of looking for things that they were doing wrong. And that was the start of my turn um, to becoming a much better uh, manager, uh, more positive management style. And not only did it start in my company, I mean, ha- help me in my company, but it helped me become a much better parent as well. It definitely translates into your home life as well. I know a lot of people that I coach are also finding the impact of our work to uh, really positively affect their marriage and how they're parenting their teenage or younger kids. Uh, And I wanted to comment on the, um, some of the science of positivity. It's one of those things that I'm really interested in, as you know, And uh, one of the research studies that's really impactful is uh, some work that was done that looked at the connection between team interaction and business results. And as I said, we're always looking for a combination of both, right? And and this this research team found that teams that had uh, something like seven to one positive to negative interactions were the highest performing teams in terms of the business results. And so positivity, it's not just a nice thing to have. It's actually something that's got hardcore business implications, whether you're in the nonprofit arena or whether you're in manufacturing. So it's really great. And you you also pointed out that 
with that whale, the, yes, you did mention it last time and it's, it stood out to me. You, you pointed out that influence actually goes a, a long way toward helping motivate and engage people. So even if somebody actually reports to you directly and you could say, because I said so, you're probably going to get a better result and much better buy-in if you influence that person around something that matters to them. Yeah, I um, you, I mean, no, you, maybe some of my listeners who have listened to our podcast a lot might know me, but it's amazing how uh, the transformation occurred. And it, it wasn't that I wanted to be uh, a negative manager, so to speak. That's not a, you know, but we're talking about positive manager. It was, I didn't know the right techniques. Right. And, um, and I could, and what's amazing is the transformation. And not only that, now, you know, the people that have worked for me, the people who work for me now, uh, you know, I've had a number of companies, but, you know, they, they, I, I really feel great about my style now, and people have commented, you know, that they really enjoy working, you know, for me. And you know, just to, on that note, I would never ever tell somebody they have to do something. You know, they, I would, I, I try to convince them about why it's in our all of our best interests. Mm-hmm. You know, because you get, you want to get buy-in, right? Right? Because otherwise, the job will never get done. You know, and um, it's very, very unusual for me to ever, I can't even imagine the time that I would say, you know, you have to do this because I said, so I would never, that would never come out of my work, my mouth. Well, and and it's interesting because I've uh, had conversations with people who in so many words did actually say that. I remember having a discussion with somebody in, in a training event and, and they were, we were talking about influence and we were talking about, so my definition of influence is making your point powerful from the other person's perspective. Yep. And his reaction was, why should I bother with that? Well, I'll just tell them what to do. And if they don't like it, they're fired. And I'm, well, um, they still have a choice, right? Uh, and people aren't going to bring their best selves to work if they don't feel like they have a choice. So uh, it, you know, you may not use that, those words, but I've worked with quite a number of people who thought they could just tell people what to do if they reported to them. And that was, that was the best way to manage. And what's crazy about that is that if you, if you want your people to go above and beyond what they're responsible for, right? you, you, you got to treat them uh, with positivity because let's, you know, let's face it. The, Jobs are hard, and you know people want to get uh, they they want to get um, someone saying they've done a good job, and uh, and they want positive. Uh, you know, it means a lot to somebody for that that to the feel that they've done a good job. And I mean, when you when I when I say to you, hey, you know, great job on that uh, last assignment I gave you. Does that motivate you, or does that demotivate you? Well, it's interesting because I, and you sort of set the stage at, because I also want to share, uh, you talked about techniques. And uh, so first I want to answer the question, which is I'm much more motivated when, I, when I'm aware that I'm being appreciated. And I'm even more motivated when I know exactly what it is that I've done and, and the impact. And, uh, and I come from, uh, whether it's a family background or a tradition where the thought was good work is its own reward. And so I used to think, you know, if somebody said nothing, then that meant you were doing fine. And 
And it was only when I became a coach and I started really consciously acknowledging the things that I could see that people were doing or how people showed up that, and I saw a transformation in almost everyone. So you talk to somebody and you say, wow, you know, you really did a great job there. And I really appreciate the way you went the extra mile with that report and stayed after hours to get it done. And it's really going to make a difference to our upcoming board meeting because they're going to have the accurate information that they need. And so the, this, this technique is really to, first of all, uh, kind of generically appreciate. So you say, good job. And then you talk about specifically what you appreciate. So you're actually trying training people to do more of what you value, right? You're teaching people that th- these are the kinds of behaviors that I'd like to see more of. And then you're anchoring it in impact. And when I started seeing people literally grow bigger through that appreciation or acknowledgement, I realized that I had been selling myself and other people short by not using it as a, as a way of really engaging with people. Yeah. You know, um, like I'll use, I'll use the example of how it, how it's played out with my uh, kids. I have two sons a 20 year old and a um, 11 year old. And, you know, one of the things that I do, which I think is very different than a lot of other fathers that I've seen because we play a lot of sports and all my kids are involved in everything from music to plays to musicals, to sports, whatever you could think of. But, you know, is that I'm always looking for something that, that my sons are doing that I can compliment them on. And, and, and because of that, you know, my, my mission with my, my children is to uh, raise boys who are confident young men who know what they want out of their lives and know what makes them happy. If, if I were to break them down on a constant basis, you know, and um, criticize them, honestly, I don't think they would be confident, confident young men who know what they want out of their lives and knows what makes them happy. And, uh, you know, I think that the key here is you have to be authentic, which is, you know, kind of the, the word in the last five years. That's a that's one of the, you know, the words that everyone that the, the word of the last five years or the decade is authenticity. Mm-hmm. You know, and you, you have to be paying attention to see what the people who are working for you are doing that are really, really good. And to be able to say, hey, nice job on this project without lying to them if it wasn't true. Yeah, that that's a really important point, Stephen. And um, what I really appreciate about what you said is that it requires that you look at the world through a different set of filters. And that it, instead of going looking for something to criticize or looking for something that's wrong, it requires looking for something that's right. Because as you pointed out, you can't acknowledge something if you haven't actually seen it. And even if you take a step further, if you're not on the scene actively engaging and interacting with your people, then you're not really going to see what is going on. And now, oh, go ahead. I was going to. I was just going to say that the one of the things I think that nonprofits um, and any organization, business or nonprofit, you know, let's face it, we don't pay our people, you know, at nonprofits very much. (laughs) <laughs> you know, and so, you know, what is it, you know, they're, they're often working for the nonprofit because of the cause. Right. And so that, you know, they're, they want that reinforcement 
you know, that's why they're working for you. And if you want to keep your people happy, if you want to reduce the amount of turnover you're having, you're having, and you know, let's not forget the people that are working for you are often they're a part of not just the nonprofit mission that you're doing, but they sometimes need the the help too. Right, that's a good point. And so I, you know. It's obvious, and then you're talking about the research, and I'm telling you from firsthand experience that the more positive you can make the environment, the more positive you can provide management style or feedback or leadership, um, it rubs off on everybody and it makes your place a better place to work. Yeah, and I wanted to bring up um, some of the challenges that nonprofits are facing and other organizations during this time. And uh, there's two that are coming up for me. One is just the incredible stress that organizations are, are, are and individuals in organizations are operating under that makes it even harder and also even more important to have that positive perspective. And then the second one is the uh, challenge of people, a lot of people working from home. And so even seeing what people are doing is sometimes uh, difficult, never mind being able to acknowledge. But, but um, one of the things I was listening to uh, another podcast, I'm sorry, I do listen to a couple others that I bring input into here. Um, but I was listening to another podcast that was talking about the work from home. The folks that are working from home pretty much are um, – the feedback that they get from their supervisors is almost always when they make a mistake Mm. because everybody's stressed out. Everybody pretty much is working from home and virtual. And so the prompt has been to call somebody when there's an error or when they've, you know, missed a timeline or they've, they've not followed up with something they were supposed to deliver on. And so if you were to take that acknowledgement process and the positive orientation that we're talking about and directly apply it to this work from home scenario, it would suggest that a manager or a leader or a supervisor would reach out to his or her people, not only when they need to correct an error, but just to, to comment on the value that that person is contributing to, to the mission of the organization. Yeah. I think that one of the ways you can do that is just you know, talk to your people often, say what's going on in your day. Yeah. You know, and look again, the whole, it's pretty simple to do this. Just look for something that they're doing that you can um, uh, comment on positively Mm -hmm. because, you know, I know one of the things that I, I, I still to this day continue to struggle with when I made this switch from, you know, a demanding manager to a positive manager. Um, I, one of the problems I had was when I had to give neg- uh, feedback that was uh, an improvement feedback, right? Something that maybe they didn't do well at. I and I, I still don't like giving that feedback nowadays. Uh, it's really hard, and you know, the the trick that you're told is to say something positive. Then say something, say the improvement that you have to, that they have to do, that they have to do, and then finish with a positive again. Yeah. Uh, the sandwich method, it's that called. Is, tried and true sandwich method. Yeah. And, you know, I still, you know, s- struggle with it, not because I don't think the positives, it's just, I just, 
you know, uh, sometimes I think some of the people that I uh, think at, uh-oh, you know, now, now what did I do? They take it really hard. Oh, yeah. And hey, can I share another one of these simple uh, protocols or techniques yeah. that, that works on this? This is, a, this is a feedback protocol that uh, that I learned and revised and used all use all over, and the key thing there it's it's not quite the same as the sandwich uh, protocol. The key thing there is you start with the positive, but you ask the other person to give them self feedback first, and then you offer a positive. So what you're yeah. really doing is you're putting them in the driver's seat. Oh. And then the second time when you're giving the, what you might call developmental feedback, you start with them. You say, what would you like to do even better? Or how would you like to become an even better performer? And you ask for them to give their self-feedback first. Yeah. They're still in the driver's seat. And then when, if you want to offer any additional feedback, then you ask them for permission. And I can tell you, I have used this and I've, I've taught it to many, many people and it's really transformed the receptivity of the feedback. And it also makes the person who's giving it feel a whole lot more comfortable with offering uh, challenging feedback. That's great. I'll use that. That's good. Um, yeah. You know, I, 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 you, something caught my attention, too, um, that you said before, and that is, you know, that, you know, 2020, uh, you know, maybe potentially 2021 too, um, has been uh, real challenging for any type of leader, um, especially the nonprofits, right? But, you know, the, the concept of, let's bring up the concept of EQ, which is emotional intelligence, right? And, and I think as a leader, you know, it's your job as a leader and as a manager to filter that stuff away uh, from the people who are working for you. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're coming in to seeing your, your staff and you're dumping on them about how rough it is out there and, you know, and how things are going to fall apart and you don't know the, if the organization can survive, you know, all of these things that it brings everybody down. Yeah. Yeah. And that's negative management style. That's not positive. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying that you sugarcoat it, but I'm certainly not saying that, that you should tell everybody everything that's running through your mind at every time. Well, you know, it, that's a really good point. I can't remember if we talked about this last time, but, um, but negativity is infectious and so is positivity. And you, as a leader, you're in a role where you can profoundly influence the the sense of hopefulness and and positivity in your people just by how you show up. Uh, you know, I think about the uh, line at the Registry of Motor Vehicles, right? And you're standing in line and m most of us have had less than stellar experiences waiting to get our license renewed and, and everybody gets grumpy and they start tapping their feet. And before you know it, everybody in the line is really, really unhappy. And, and that's, uh, that's an example of the contagion of negativity. And so, you know, we, we all probably have had experience where there's one person on a team that's just chronically a downer. And it really affects the whole team sense of well-being. And it kind of comes back to what I was saying before about seven to one positive to negative uh, comments. So it's a it's huge impact both on people's performance and also how they feel about their work and about their lives. 
Yeah, one of the things, one, the, the number one reason why I had brought that coach on at the time, now this was, um, oh, got to be uh, 20 years ago, and I had her on board for nine years, was because the companies that I had ran at the time, that uh, I, 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 I had no part, I didn't have a business partner. So I didn't have anybody that I really could talk to about my own pro, my own issues. And so I brought her on board to be a sounding board you know, to, to, so that I didn't, um, talk to my staff about issues that, you know, that to get them upset, you know, on something, you know, that I became a better leader. Um, and so, you know, I think that what I'm trying to say here is find that one person, um, that you can have those type of conversations with it. it, it, It's honestly usually better for somebody outside of work. Um, and, and I, you know, I'm not suggesting this, but one of the things I actually wrote this article the other day, uh, it was for Forbes and it was, um, it was that I don't talk about work with my wife at all. And, and I think that's made, um, uh, made our marriage much, much better because, um, I, um, you know, it, she doesn't need to hear the stuff, the negative stuff and get worried about what's going on at work. And, uh, and that's another form of positive, uh, management. So, uh, you know, what I'm trying to say here is if you are, if you do take my suggestion about finding something outside of work to talk oh, to about these things, don't have it you be know, your partner. <laughs> maybe don't have it to be your, your significant other. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's just a suggestion. It's, it's weird because let me tell you something, you have to find other things to talk about. I think I'm going to propose it in, in my marriage. Uh, we do spend an awful lot of time talking about our work and um, that most often it's, it's productive and, and helpful, but not always. And so that's a, that's a good rule to consider adopting. Yeah. So, I mean, what else would we say about, you know what? So let's, you know, I have a, a couple of my friends. I mean, I'm 56, and a couple of my friends. They're all we're all of my friends between 56 and 60, and um, they always complain about the younger generation. Oh, you you know, they want everything positive. They want trophies for everything. Um, what, what's your attitude about that? I don't. I, I don't feel that way. I mean, part partly I don't typically generalize, and so I. I approach each person as an individual and as a person with their own needs and um, things that, that upset them individually. Uh, I think probably, well, I don't know. Um, I, I have to think some more about that. Well, I, I would, I tell you a couple of things, thoughts that I have on it. The first thing is, I am super impressed by the younger generation. I think the things that they have, you know, their creativity, their ability to solve problems. Um, and listen, they were, they were well ahead of the rest of us and, and, and the older generation and saying, Hey, wait a minute. There just, there needs to be a separation between uh, work and my life. You know, my, my life is not all about work. And I think, I think that was a smart move. Um, you know, you, and so I, you know, I'm impressed with what they're doing now. I think coming back to the trophy generation, you know, I think, I think that becomes, uh, uh, upon us as leaders to be able to, uh, give feedback in a way 
that not only builds people up, but also helps them improve. And that, and so it just makes it harder for us as leaders to be more creative and, and look for ways that we can be better at, um, you know, helping people grow. Well, and it kind of, it may come back to the conversation, earlier part of the conversation about influence, because if, if, if we are, have the assumption that we can uh, use a command and control approach and basically say, because you work for me, you will, you know, you'll like it. Uh, and, uh, and people are resisting and saying, you know, I'm, I have my own path in life. You know, I see, I see my future and my, my parts of my life as separate from my work. Then we've got to get those of us who've been around longer, more creative about motivating and engaging and influencing people. Uh, yeah. I also think, I, I think that I, you know, that the change that I made was not even just for my own, um, staff, the, my people who work for me, but also for me, I, I, I'm much happier as a person and as a, as a business leader now that I've made that change to being much more positive. Um, it was the right course of action. This is the other thing. How, you, you, you brought up another point, which I think, can you imagine if you have an environment where you're saying that where you're directing people to do something? Um, do you think those people are ever going to come to you with new ideas? Oh, uh, that's a rhetorical question, right? Yeah, they will never do it. <laughs> right, they would be too afraid that you'll, they'll be berated if they, if they're if they come up with a, a dumb idea or if it doesn't work out or whatever. So if you were if you're talking about building an organization where the best ideas come out and and, and are executed, you better move to a positive management style. Well, and that to build on that, we talked last time about bringing in the role of. Uh, emotion in which we're doing to some degree, but I want to I want to explicitly reference uh, social threats and rewards, and I don't want to go into a lot of detail on it, but it's something that your your listeners might want to Google and learn a little bit more about what the neuroscience suggests. And and the key thing here is that when people are in too much of a threat state, which is really just a little bit more than not at all. Their creativity goes way down, their collaboration goes way down, their initiative goes way down, and there's all sorts of consequences from just a little experience of threat. And most of us get pretty easily triggered by by things that are rather inconsequential on a daily basis. So I totally agree with you. If you're looking for creativity, you're looking for people that work well with others, then you you really really want to focus on creating a positive work culture. I mean, the other part about this is nonprofits are about hope. Ah, yeah, you know, they're all about hope, and and how, does hope and negativity match? I I I don't see it. Hope is a positive thing. Mm-hmm. It's an inspiring thing, and so you know, let's face it. You're in the business of running a nonprofit and the you're in the business of hope mm-hmm. it's aspirational. And so if, if you are not, you know, if you are upset about being a, not a great leader, like I was, or, you know, you just got to work on it. You just got to work on it. I mean, uh, Deborah, do you believe that leadership is a learned skill? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And in fact, that's really what I'm all about is helping people 
who some of whom don't think of themselves as a leader to grow into leadership. And, and I put a lot more weight on people who have doubts and have come from a kind of humble place than I do on that small percentage of people that we might identify as natural leaders because they're assertive and they're the people that stand up and offer to do things. Um, I'm not saying proactivity or initiative is wrong, but I do think that leaders can and do learn and grow and develop. And it's not just about you're born with it or you're not. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. Well, we're gonna have to leave it at that. Um, you know, I, I would like to thank uh, Deborah so much uh, for, for coming on today's podcast. If, uh, if you like today's podcast, please feel free to share it with a friend. You know, the Nonprofit MBA podcast is really uh, being listened to by a lot of people now. And, I'm, you know, it's really got so many great guests on it that really can help you. And, um, um, you know, the, the reviews are really good. And if you like today's podcast or the other ones, you know, please share it with a friend and also please, um, give us a review on your podcasting app. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, uh you know, so if you like today's podcast too, uh, I'm sorry, if you, if you, if your organization needs a line of credit, please, uh, feel free to give us a call at 862-207-4118. Um, or visit our website at nonprofitmbapodcast.com. Deborah, if anyone gets in touch with you or if there's uh, – is are there any type of programs that you can provide, that you provide that might help people? Uh, I would refer people to my website. It's www.readyassociates.org. And I have a whole array of online offerings anywhere from one-on-one to group coaching to uh, in to live programs, to self-paced programs. And there's a whole page uh, of online offerings that people can check out. I'd really also encourage people to sign up for my newsletter and get on my mailing list. And they can access uh, a free audio recording that I made recently that's on this exact topic that we're talking about. It's called Five Best Ways to Get People Excited About Doing Their Job. And it's uh, a link to that is on the homepage of my website, and I'd really encourage people to check it out. So thank you, Stephen. It's been a delight to work with you again, and I wish you and your listeners happy holidays. Yeah, it was a uh, this podca- uh, podcast was near and dear to my heart. I really believe in if you can't tell, I really believe that it's the way to go if you're a leader or a manager to be more positive toward people. Let's face it. This has been a tough 2020. If if anything, 2020 taught us is we need a more positive uh, um, world. Yeah. And um, and you know and and to our listeners, all of you who are involved in nonprofits, you know from the uh, my from my deepest uh, part of my heart, I want to say thank you for making the world a better place. We definitely need you. Uh, humankind needs you. And uh, and thank you for all the work you do. You do, and again to everybody as well as as Deborah said, happy holidays, and let's get rid of 2020 <laughs> and welcome in 2021 and make it a better place. So Deborah, happy holidays, and you know maybe we'll do this a third time. Okay, I look forward to it. Sounds good. I'll see you later. Okay, bye bye.